Hey guys, welcome to Healing Broken Trust Podcast. I'm Morgan Robinson, and today we're bringing you the second part of a three-part interview with a couple that we helped to transform their relationship after infidelity. They were so gracious to speak with the members of our masterclass, and we decided that you should hear what they have to say about the healing journey. So we wanted to bring their conversation to you, the listeners of our podcast. So we broke it up into three parts. So this is the second part of the three-part interview. We hope their story encourages you. Let's have a listen. Ending the affair, what was that like? Can you tell us about the process? That was just a long, disastrous process. I mean, it was just a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of confrontation. Um, I mean, we had Stephanie and I both had to work really diligently and really hard to keep each other informed of everything because there's a lot of moving parts there's a lot of anger a lot of resentment from the other person there was a lot of I mean it was just real important at that point we had to be very open and transparent with each other because I mean we were trying to work through a pretty nasty situation we both had an incentive to work it out the other person really didn't have an incentive to not just flat out lie and make stuff up to try to sabotage everything so yeah it was it was pretty intense. What would you say? This is going to be a tricky question. How how do you feel about the other person now? Now that the affair's over, where would you say? How do you feel about that person now? Really, there's not any feelings towards that other person at all. I mean, not any. I mean, I don't really have any feelings one direction or the other. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't resent them. I don't blame them. I mean. I will say that I kind of deep down just really hope that whatever they were going through at the time, they've managed to get through. Maybe hopefully something positive came out of this for them. Maybe they've gotten stuff situation, their situation resolved. I mean, yeah, you've got one or two. I mean, when this happens, you got one or two choices. You either wallow in it and let it destroy you. Or, I mean, you, use it as a learning process. I mean, that's what we chose to do. And I really kind of hope the other person did too. Yeah, good. I'm glad you did that. I think it's important because sometimes people think like, you know, you're still in love with the other person or they think if it was hard to end the affair that then you must have these lingering feelings. And it's kind of like, I've just taken this as a thing to learn from and want to grow from it. I think there's also a side of you when it's going on that, ending it you kind of have to admit that it was wrong to begin with and then you've gone through all this pain and agony for nothing yeah and so there's this not letting it end is the you know your own selfish attempt to prove that it was the right thing to do and i think that's where a lot of people get hung up on it too yeah that makes sense yeah i've I've, yeah i've worked with people who said similar things that makes a lot of sense can you tell me about the counseling journey coming, I guess, kind of my office, what the counseling experience was like for you? Um, I mean, the experience itself was really good. I mean, you got a chance to talk. Um, I mean, it was a, a good place to come and say what you thought, to say what you needed to say. It was a place to get guidance. And um, for me, a couple of times, it's a good place to get talked off the ledge and just really kind of get brought back to reality. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me personally, by the, when we first started going there, I mean, I wasn't really... Yeah, you weren't eager. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> um, 
So I was really kind of counting on the fact that it was not going to really be fruitful and helpful so that I would have a legitimate reason to say, well, we tried and check that box. Let's move on. But yeah, once you get going, you do find that there's a lot of things in your own brain that don't make sense. And you need that external person to really kind of guide you and figure out what, what everything really means and why you're doing what you're doing. It's hard to self-analyze your own patterns. So that was a plus. Yeah. But the most important thing was just, you know, you're in an environment where you have a legitimate person that's invested in you to mediate between two people that are having a hard time communicating. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anthony with, uh, and this is a question for you too, Stephanie, post counseling journey. Cause we've been done with like weekly counseling for, Oh gosh, probably 18 months. I think. A while. Yeah. We've, we've been, um, we did quarter, we did weekly, then monthly, then quarterly, but we've been completely done for a long time now. Yeah. Yeah. In a second, I want to ask you guys, like, if you maybe give some advice to people, but what's been the post-counseling journey been like? You guys have gone on some different vacations and... Uh, yeah, we we have. We actually um, have really focused, we made some decisions during counseling um, and discovered some things. We discovered that we didn't really take time to do things we enjoyed either individually or together because um, we work too much and and we we never would let ourselves spend the money to do a nice vacation or different things that we had the money to do. We just wouldn't do it. So um, part of the after counseling journey for us has been travel literal literal journey journey um we took a trip into canada we've been to chicago a couple times i mean we just really have done gone some places we wanted to go um have enjoyed time together away from our home away from our jobs and that has been very beneficial um we've just done a lot of small things too um that have helped us i mean it sounds silly, but we kiss more. We mm -hmm. discovered that we hadn't kissed in years. Like, um, just that, like, I think Anthony said earlier, just that kind of, just not roommate feeling, but that's almost what we had gotten to mm -hmm. at a point was more like roommates. So we just kind of sparked that up again. And, um, we do what we call a walk and talk when we're trying to work through something we just get outside and walk and, and we find that works really well for us because we're able to talk things through without having to stare at each other because when you're walking you're side by side and and you're able to just discuss things and it flows real naturally that way so that's something that we've we do on a regular basis um one of the one thing that we do is we stop each other when we start to go into the negative cycle and we each know what that is, um, you know, for us and for each other. And there are times when we'll just say, um, let's stop right here. That's the old us. What we know, we've got tools. We know better. What, mm -hmm. what do we do now? And, um, and we stop it right away and, and use the tools that we learned with you and how to avoid the negative cycle. Um, we, we both have an opinion now, which is something we didn't 
we always had the opinion, but we never told each other. So now we actually say what we, what our opinion is. And it's kind of good because we've learned so much about each other and we, hmm. we end up kind of enjoying a good debate together every now and then to get to a mm -hmm. solution. So that's good. And that's something that wasn't there before. That's good. And yeah, that was part of that avoid, avoid cycle you guys were in. Like now yeah. we're engaging in more discussion and more debate. Yes, absolutely. That's good. That's really good. Anthony, what would you, to put you on the spot, because I, I know you just got home, but what would you say to somebody who is struggling to uh, end an affair? Well, the first thing that I would say is you can't do it by yourself. So there's got to be people in play that can help you keep you accountable and um, have your best interest at heart. Um, secondly, you've got to have an, an outside, <clears throat> or I, I personally think for me that helped is an outside person that's not your spouse to also talk things through with to kind of make sure that you're staying accountable to someone because there's always going to be things that you can't or not can't, but thoughts in your head that you need to talk through with someone that has your best interest in mind, but you feel like it's a, a something that might be resentful or hurtful. So you need that mentor type person as well. Um, and then the, you know, the last thing is, you know, you, you got to understand that your marriage is valuable and you got to have that willpower and that determination to make sure that you get everything resolved properly. Yeah, that makes sense. And then you said, uh, the first thing you said was, you know, you're going to need help. You can't do it by yourself. Yep. Well, it's uh, a, I mean, it's, just, it's, a, it's an ongoing process. I mean, this is just like any type of recovery type thing. I mean, this is a day-to-day process. It's not going to end in a day. It's not going to go away in a month. I mean, this is going to be something that in your relationship is always going to be there. I mean, it may be over. It may be resolved. You, you know, there, you may have made up and made amends, but that's always something that's going to be there. So it's, this is a, something that, you know, deep down inside of you, you know, what happened and it, you know what you're capable of. And it's something that you've got to keep your tools in place. You've got to keep the people in place. You've got to keep the authenticity in place. I mean, this is, this is a struggle that you're going to deal with. Um, you know, there's always going to be some guilt. There's always going to be emotions tied to it. So you need those people around you to keep, keep things positive. Yeah. What would you say to somebody who's kind of thinking, maybe it's a similar question, but maybe a little different. What would you say to somebody who is involved in like a limerent affair where they're, you know, in love with the other person and their spouse knows about it and other people know about it and they're thinking about going off and being with the affair partner? Is that for me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I think that's just setting yourself up for a whole nother kind of failure. I mean, that, I mean, if you get yourself away from that situation, you realize that those were false emotions. I mean, it's not real. It feels real, but I mean, I think you're in that situation and I think that circles back around to you're just trying to prove to everybody else that it wasn't a mistake. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, honestly, my personal opinion, having been in that situation and that having been in my head, I think you're about six months away from realizing you made two really horrendous mistakes back to back. Yeah, because that's a common, that's actually a really common in my head. I had a client tell me this once. They said, you know, with my head, 
So I was talking to him about limerence. They said, with my head, I know what you're telling me is right. But my heart's telling me something different. And this was somebody who developed a limerence for someone that was a coworker that he didn't even have an affair with. He just fell in love with another woman. And uh, there was no talking in her. You know, she didn't know he felt this way. You know, really wreaked havoc, havoc in their marriage. You know, and so, Anthony, I think what you're saying is really important. And so thank you guys for sharing this because we've got several couples on this and we've got several couples that are going to listen to it after we're done. They'll get it later in the week. And it's really nice to know when you're in the middle of this that there is a chance of making this. Uh, but we have a question. What would you usually advise the betrayed spouse to do with a limerent cheater? So let me ask you guys this. Like when you have somebody who is involved in an affair and they really feel like they're in love with the affair partner, what would both of you guys advise somebody to do who's married to a person who thinks they're in love with someone else and they're willing to put their marriage on the line and not end it? So they, oh, okay, I understand now. They're not willing to end the affair. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, they're not willing to end the affair. (laughs) And uh, they're being really reckless with their marriage. Uh, Even their family members know. And what would you say to the person married to that? in that situation, who's married to somebody like that? How could, what, what are maybe some things that, that would help them maybe end it before they, that person leaves to be with the affair partner? End the affair, you know, or influence them to end the affair before they, you know, divorce or go be off, be off with the affair partner? Well, a couple of things, uh, and I know every situation's different, but a couple of things that, that worked for us from the beginning is, you know, I, went to Anthony and said, you may choose to continue this. However, I will not um, grant you a divorce. And in our situation, I he has a son from a previous marriage who had been in my life for nine years since he was a little bitty, bitty kid. And so I just pointed out to him, you know, our child will not know about this. We will spend the next year continuing life. He doesn't live with us. We go to visit him, but you'll come, you'll go with me and we will go together as we always have to see him. Um, She won't be part of that. She won't know him, you know, for at least a year. Um, you will come, you know, we will continue to have our finances together. I just laid out all these rules. And my hope in doing that was, um, you know, I felt pretty desperate, but my hope was that in buying time, basically, you know, I, even at that point, I kind of knew that most affairs don't last. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times an affair will play out on its own. It becomes too much trouble. They'll, lose interest, um, you know, that happens often. So my, my thought was to buy time. I was dead serious about the things I said and the rules I had. But at the same time, I felt like if I can just buy some time, then it gives me an opportunity to build back into our marriage and back into him emotionally, as yeah. opposed to drawing a, a sharp line in the sand and saying, it's me or her or, you know, hit the road. And that's, just not a stance I personally took. Um, I was in no physical danger. I was not being physically abused. The lines of communication were still open. He was being very transparent with me about things, which I also 
took as an indicator that um, he came home to me every night. He was in our home. I, each day that happened and continued to happen, I knew that he, he ultimately, I knew that he had a desire still to keep our marriage together. So then I took the lead of finding ways to, to move that forward. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I hope that would help someone just to know not to give up, think outside the box. Is there a, a friend or a family member, a person in their life that has a big influence? I know for Anthony, there was, there were a couple of men that he was very embarrassed that he had done this. He was, um, you know, almost didn't even want to talk to them. But when he would talk to them, it made great strides in him wanting to do, wanting to end the affair. Yeah. So just connecting your spouse, um, again, goes back to what I said earlier about surrounding yourself with people who are for your marriage and positive. Um, find ways to bring those people into your spouse's life also. Okay. Uh, I want to give you a chance to answer that question. Stephanie said something really important. Put down boundaries and rules. I think that's important because all, you know, the successful situations I've seen uh, tend to have been, tended to have that involved in it. Like, look, here's a line in the sand. Like, I'm not putting up this crap, you know. And so I think that's important, you, you know, to be able to put down boundaries and rules and even extend it to for at least a year. You know, we're not going to let, uh, you know, our son know about this situation. Like, we're going to. You know, so I think I think there's a lot there, uh, Anthony. With I want to give you a chance to answer that, and we have a follow-up question on that for Anthony. Anthony, what would you advise? What would be your advice for a man on this perspective? Would you advise uh, somebody in that kind of situation to contact the spouse of the affair partner, especially since they don't know yet, and that might be leverage to get them to end it? Um, I. We never did that. We've had that discussion towards the end. Um, I think one of the things that really worked the best in our situation, you know, everything she said is kind of what, what played out. But I think from my end, <clears throat> what really set that tone was also she knew and that the fact that she knew and we kind of had these ground rules in play did two things that were very powerful in the whole situation. Number one, it took the secrecy out of it. Um, so you lost that adrenaline rush that came with it. You lost that feeling you were kind of that kind of craving that you get to, to do that. And that made it more work. It made it more uneventful. And then secondly, it really gave you a chance to the other person then had to have a taste of what your spouse was going through. All of a sudden there was no secret. You, she didn't have anything to hold over you. She knew the spouse knew she knew she was sharing with the spouse and it made that other person very normal and real. And it took the mystery away from them too. So over time, what that really did was made me realize well, this other person is actually more trouble and more needy and more 
whiny and you know it just made them a normal person mm-hmm. and over time that's what really got me to the point where I was like okay you know Stephanie's really I mean I put her through a lot she's really a great person this other person is nothing but trouble they're nothing but a pain in the butt they're nothing but stirring up crap and over time that just made them very 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 less attractive but I think you think approaching the other person's spouse and going that direction is a very double-edged sword. I think in my mind, that probably would have backfired more than more than helped. We hope you enjoyed part two of our three-part episode with Anthony and Stephanie. If you would like to participate in the masterclass, go to healingbrokentrust.com and click on the Get Access button at the top of the page. Create your free account and watch the first 20 minutes of the masterclass for free. If you like what you see, you can purchase the rest. As always, this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only.